you turn with me to Psalm 51, we're just going to look at the first verse of Psalm 51, this beginning a new series. Psalm 51, verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. O Lord, as we prepare to partake of this nourishing grace that you've given to us, We ask that you would fill us with your spirit now, that we might understand your precious word, and that we might exalt you and uh, partake of this communion meal rightly, and we pray it in the name of Jesus, amen. So we're beginning today this uh, series of meditations from Psalm 51. It will take some months, as it usually does, since Rodney and I and Phil uh, also we share in this, but this is a psalm of confession. It's a psalm also of repentance by King David. You all know uh, the situation. We're going to look at it, though, in a little detail. Uh, For his sin against the Lord and against uh, his people. It's one of uh, what they call penitential psalms. There's six. Most of the time people would say there's six penitential psalms. This is one of those. And it has an inspired introduction. Not all the psalms do. It says in that, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So he had committed adultery. He committed murder. And I'd like you to turn now, if you would, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 12, because this is where we learn the situation that the Lord used and inspired David to write this psalm for us. So in 2 Samuel 12, I'd like to read uh, 15 verses, a little little long, but... um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. This will help us understand this psalm. And it begins, Then the Lord sent Nathan, after his egregious sin, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, a parable in a sense, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. So the rich was David, as we'll see. So the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man, it would probably be Uriah in this situation, the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to uh, take from his own flock and from one of his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So he just told this to David, the king. I remember David, David's a shepherd. And it says in verse 5, David's anger was greatly aroused against this man, this uh, rich man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. David was really angry. Should he have been? Sure. It was a very callous thing that he heard about, a very selfish thing for the rich man to do. And I've often wondered, why did Nathan confront David in this way, giving a a parable in this way? Uh, But I believe the Lord used it, of course, and it resulted in David clearly seeing and admitting his sin. 
He'd been hiding it. Verse 7 says, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. So you are the rich man. And David was all angry at this man. And Nathan just said, Well, you're the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So this is God's rebuke. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. So like the rich man, he had many, many things. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, you remember David uh, took Joab the general and he said, okay, I want to make sure, you make sure that Uriah is put in the front where he will likely, surely die and be killed. And then in verse 10, it says, Now therefore the sword, the Lord God's rebuke, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. If you noticed earlier in verse 9, it says, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? And then he says, why have you despised me? So if you despise the commandments of the Lord, you despise the Lord God. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord God, the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. That was his judgment. So all would learn of David's sin. And this shows the truth again from Numbers 23. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. So David, it says in verse 13, so David is man after God's heart, he's called, So David said to Nathan, the only thing really you you can say, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord, he clearly stated. In other words, I did despise your commandments. I did despise you. I have sinned against the Lord. Psalm 32 is another uh, penitential psalm and, and a psalm of forgiveness also given by the Lord through David. And it says in verse five of Psalm 32, I, David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden at that time. He was hiding sin here in this case. He did try to hide that. And then it goes on, and Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. In other words, you are forgiven. You will not die. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. This was a terrible time in the life of David the king and for his own house, his own posterity, in fact. Yet the Lord showed him tender mercy and loving kindness. In 1 Kings 15, it says, For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. He feared God's commandments. He was keeping God's commandments. He egregiously broke Despise the commandments of God and despise the Lord in this case. David knew, though, that the Lord is merciful and gracious. So he cried out in verse 1 of Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Many tender mercies I have seen in my life blot out my transgressions. So we see here two actions that David is requesting of the Lord. And 
we are also requesting as we come to the table of the Lord. And these actions David is requesting are based on two attributes of the Lord. First of all, he says, have mercy on me, O God. And it reminds me of the, the, the man who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was all he could say. So David is saying essentially the same, same thing. Have mercy on me, O God. And we remember as we went through Psalm 103 and as we went through the sections in Nehemiah, how great God's mercy is to his people. For generations, in fact, God is merciful and gracious and forbearing toward his own people. And we here have experienced his mercy time and again in so many ways, each of us, each of us individually and as a congregation here. And yet, I believe, frankly, we are many times oblivious to the great mercy of God. And that what Keith prayed this morning, that uh, we are not aware of those things. We don't praise God for his mercy as we should. And he asked for the Lord to forgive us for that. And may the Lord forgive us for our lack of thanksgiving to him for his continual mercy to us. And may he change us to be thankful and more aware of his amazing mercy. And then we see that his mercy, it says, is according to his loving kindness. It's that standard. According to his loving kindness, David had experienced the Lord's loving kindness throughout his life in many ways. He knew the Lord is God who shows mercy and shows his love by a multitude of acts of kindness to his people and to David. And so then David said, blot out my transgressions. To blot out means to remove them, of course, remove transgressions so they're not seen anymore. It's kind of like if you spilled something on the carpet and you blot it up quickly so it doesn't stain, so you remove that stain. It's like a debt that can be removed, uh, canceled from the book. In, in Psalm 51, a little bit, in a couple weeks probably, we will focus on this verse. Hide your face from my sins, he cried out to God, and blot out all my iniquities. Isaiah 43 says, uses the same word. The Lord God said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. He blots out our transgressions for his own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Praise God. In Acts 3, Peter and John went to the temple, and uh, then Peter was uh, sharing with them uh, about faith in the Lord Jesus and repentance and about the re resurrection of the Lord. And this is what he said to them at the conclusion of that short speech. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters, when we know that our sins are blotted out, then times of refreshing come from being in the presence of the Lord. And praise God uh, that he does blot out our sins according to his tender mercies. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. He puts all of them on the Lord Jesus who bore our sin in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We might grow in righteousness. That we would not be uh, dominated by sin. That we would not be dominated by our slaves of our own selfishness, but be able to be righteous in the sight of our Heavenly Father by His grace and to be acceptable to Him and to grow in righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like David, we can say and we can admit, we can confess ourselves, I have sinned against you, Lord God. And we confessed earlier. We had a time of confessions where we brought individually those and corporately. And we heard from the word that while we have strayed like sheep, we are sheep that stray, our shepherd will receive us and he will tenderly care for us. 
And so we also, like David, can know the loving kindness and tender mercy of God through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, which we see in the table. So let us not be ungrateful this morning as we come to rejoice in this meal with the Lord, that we would not be ungrateful for such compassion and such kindness to us as we partake of this communion with the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord of mercy, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have demonstrated your love and your patience and your mercy so clearly by saving us through the atoning sacrifice of our Lord and our King on the cross. Oh Lord, forgive us for taking for granted your continual mercy and kindness to us, for not daily rejoicing in your forgiveness. Oh Lord, thank you for having mercy upon us, upon your people, and thank you for blotting out our sin so that we are seen as righteous by the imputed righteousness of Christ and cleansed by the blood he shed for us. Oh, Father in heaven, fill us, fill each of us now with joy and humility in the Spirit as we partake of this means of grace that you have given. And we thank you for this communion with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.